Welcome back to another show of Network to Code on Network Collective. As we know, the industry is very tool-centric. In the networking space and in this podcast, even on the prior shows, we talked about the lack of an approach to look at things holistically and architecturally when we look at building network automation solutions. We've talked about automation engines and tools, talked about sources of truth and data management. But there's one key area in problem space that doesn't get too much attention. This is all around operational state data. The, the idea of collecting data in real time and being able to better understand that data to know is the operating, is the network operating as, as expected. So with me today to discuss this problem statement is Dinesh Dutt and Justin Peach. Welcome, guys. Hey, Jason. Hi, Jason. Thank you for having us on the show. No, thank you. Thank you both. Would you guys care to give a short intro on both of your backgrounds? Sure. I guess I'll go first. Uh, I'm Justin Peach. Uh, I was recently at Amazon and AWS for almost 17 years. Uh, before that, I was at a, a startup building DDoS detection software that no one remembers. And before that, I was at the University of Washington. Thanks. Uh, Dinesh, that I guess people know me because of the books, uh, because of webinars and uh, various other things. Uh, I was uh, last at uh, Cumulus Networks as the chief scientist. Uh, before that, I was at Cisco as a fellow, uh, co-inventor of VXLAN, Trill, bunch of things, now working on open source uh, network operational tools. Okay, great. So both great, great backgrounds. Looks like we have a great mix of skills combining the, you know, the, the, the background of being at manufacturers and, and vendors and even helping support and manage and build large scale, large scale networks. Now, if we take a step back and look at in the problem space that we're going to tackle in this in this podcast, we want to talk about this notion of operational state data. And you know, for the past, I guess I've been saying 25 years, maybe it's now 30, you know, 30 plus years, we look at CLI commands and SMP pulling data from networking devices. So we have traditional network monitoring. So let's talk about the problem. You know, what does that give us? What doesn't it give us? And let's just kind of start there. And, and, and you know, Justin or Dinesh, if you want to take that one. Yeah. So I think you set the problem up perfectly, uh, Jason. You mentioned that in a modern uh, network operator's toolkit, there aren't that many tools necessary to be able to do a whole bunch of uh, important functions. And even if you step back from the network operator of today to the network operator of the past, the network operator's toolkit has always uh, been very, very limited. Whether it comes to asking simple questions like where is an IP address to can I do capacity planning to what is a component rate failure or to ask more sophisticated questions such as why is my BGP state down? Or why it, is it that at 10 o'clock every night do I have a problem that I see a blip in my uplink? Various questions, and then of course, when I'm troubleshooting my network, why did my network go down? Who announced a default route that caused my network to melt? And how do I automatically remediate it? So these are all problems and questions on a spectrum or on a scale. And people have varying degrees of ability to answer these questions effectively. The ease with which they can answer these questions and the 
ability to which the effectiveness with which they can answer these questions. And for us as network operators, we, I mean, I'm not a network operator myself, but my time at Cumulus Networks, I found that network operators need tools and that they are actually sorely lacking in it. And then Justin, of course, can tell you from his perspective as of being one of the people who's operated one of the largest networks in the world, uh, the perspective. But that is the point that we wanted to address was to allow network operators to have superpowers so they can examine the system holistically. That's the fundamental premise of the problem we set out to solve. Now, the problem itself is pretty large when you say it like that. And so we narrowed it down and we said we are looking at everything that a network operator has to do post-deployment to start with. As it's safe to say, you know, it's the way you describe it, too. It's, it's adding that higher level intelligence to it, so to speak, where we have traditional monitoring tools collecting some raw some raw data. But you know, it's <clears throat> one of the biggest gaps is is the way you describe it as questions, like being able to ask a an intelligent question to be able to have a meaningful answer without having to spend maybe minutes or hours trying to parse through, you know, a variety of data sources. Like, is that is that part of it? I think you said it spot on. <clears throat> uh, uh, it's exactly what you said. And also the ability for us to think through a few other things, like, for example, the amount of data that we are getting right now. The because of the varied sources and because of the nature of the modern data center where, and this is, I'm talking about it from the data center perspective, but the problem just expands into all other domains. So this is not a data center specific problem, though the problem began there. Uh, you just have a lot of devices. The amount of information you can collect from them and the kinds of information you want to collect is so much more that modern, the tools that existed before don't necessarily address the problem effectively. And what have you what have you seen as the most common ways to solve some of these problems today? Like I love the notion of questions because it just makes it so much easier to digest as a as a human. And so is it is it lots and lots of custom code? Is that what people are are doing? What you've you know what you've you know seen in terms of hey you know we have these half a dozen or a dozen tools collecting various data points in real time, but there's no way to kind of aggregate together to answer my question. So I have to go now, go, you know, use Perl, Python, you know, this script language to be able to then answer, you know, my own questions. Is that sort of like, is the, is the biggest hurdle here? Is it, is it doing it, you know, doing it yourself or writing that custom logic? I'll try my answer and then Dinesh can try his. I think I'll, I'll there's a, there's a set of ignored data that really isn't, uh, I would say, systematically co collected and analyzed. So things like route tables, BGP tables, uh, session state, that sort of thing. And so I think most people, most networks generally, uh, to troubleshoot those problems, people log in. And so device by device, they're manually looking at the data. And if you have to collect multiple command outputs from a device to troubleshoot something you have to in your head remember you know which ip address which neighbor um and so i think a lot of it is just e either manual like that or um things are just too hard and people uh, don't ignore it so one of the problems then is that i think this data uh, this operational state data is usually not collected or if it's collected it's collected as a one-off so i need it to 
to collect this for one thing. Um, and then it's often thought of as a, at a device at a time. And so you can't, it's very hard to ask like network wide questions. So, um, so, so I think one of the problems is this is, as I said, this kind of network, uh, network operational state, I think isn't really systematically analyzed very well. Uh, that's the problem we're starting with. And then there's the problem of, um, I think what you're going after, which is sort of, there's all this other data and it's not combined well. And so o over time, I think we'll, we'll figure out how to, uh, collect the metrics data and collect the operational state data together and allow you to ask, I mean, because one of the things is too much, I think network engineers and operators think because they have no better tools, think a device at a time. And you really need to be able to ask network wide questions because that's what you're trying to understand. Yeah, no. So true. Even that's what you said earlier on too about lack of tools. You know, again, like the ongoing joke for years, right? You know, we had ping and trace route, and yeah, you know, we need we need, <laughs> we need we need to do better. To what you're saying now, Justin, around around you know doing one off, you know, one off ad hoc, maybe real time troubleshooting or you know answering your question for for right now. So it's almost like combining these together is it's sort of like asking the question for right now, but having the ability to to track it over time. You know, in a I'll say, you know, time series database, right? There's still a growing, growing in the networking industry. Being able to, you know, even retroactively ask a question for, for maybe, you know, what was a day ago or a week ago? Is that, is exactly. that accurate? And 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 I would say that almost all networks have no ability to ask that what happened 24 hours ago. And when you're troubleshooting a problem about what happened. Your best case scenario is you can maybe uh, reproduce the problem state, but that's not really what you wanted, and it takes a lot of time. You want to have recorded what happened so you can play it back. I mean, it's sort of it's a network it's a network flight recorder of operational state. I mean, what you want is a network flight recorder of operational state data. That's that's kind of one aspect of the problem space. Yeah, I think Justin puts it perfectly, right? It is the flight recorder aspect of the data. But to the way we have seen networks, we, you know, Justin has seen uh, networks in his time. I have spoken to a lot of operators either at Cisco or at Cumulus. And <clears throat> what I have noticed, and then even outside because of the books or uh, the talks, various people reach out to me. So when I think about all of that, I see a set of patterns, right? There are people who, have, who are gathering metrics, and then there are people who are gathering nothing. Or they're sometimes gathering it using SNMP polars, putting it in cacti or RRD. And they capture data so much more slowly that many times, it's a classic uh, statistical joke, right? The, if with your head in hot water and your legs in cold, on average, you're feeling good. So it's that problem. It's like a low-pass filter and a high-pass filter that's completely cutting off everything. So when compute people come and tell network people, hey, I have a problem with my application, the network guys look at it and they go, I don't see what the problem is. To give you a sense, in Suzy Q, we collect data. We started with collecting data every 15 seconds. Part of the reason I made it 15 seconds is because I'm used to doing it with cumulus boxes in the past. And cumulus people many times collected 30. Now, many of the people who went back to some of the older boxes to collect data found that they had to increase it to three minutes to just get the data back. Otherwise, the device would time out because the device takes that long, either because of cheaper my, or, you know, weak processors on the box, because of various ways in which the operating system design was done. A hundred different reasons. But the point that I'm trying to make is that you have a class of operators who are looking at metrics or not. And then after that, there is not really much Everything just falls off. It's like a dive off. 
and then with this ability to collect data only every three minutes or so or over a period of minutes rather than seconds uh, multiples of seconds so even 45 seconds even a minute is pretty good and many boxes can do that today but there are still lots of boxes that can't uh, to the fact that people aggregate the data very quickly so my ability to ask what happened 24 hours ago is limited by the fact that the data is aggregated because it's been uh, I take my five minute sample or a minute sample coalesce it very quickly to get an average of an hour or 10 minutes or 15 minutes. So I can't really figure out what is going on in my network, even if all I do is gather metrics. And anything beyond that, boy, you're off. Right, right. Yeah, you said, you know, I want to unpack a lot there, but I guess you know, you're, you're alluding to Suzy Q, so we can you know, dive into Suzy Q. But before we do that, I want to make a comment. Maybe I found a good way to partner in, uh, in the future because, you know, we, you know, as a business and network to code, we engage with a lot of our clients and, you know, often use the phrasing answering questions. And we do a lot of work with chat ops. To uh-huh. make it easier to make it easier to have like a chat bot to ask yep. questions to. Yep. And so, you know, maybe, you know, maybe there's some opportunity in the future to to help build some chat commands to query to query Suzy Q to be able to offer these these answers back in in real time, which would be pretty, you know, pretty awesome. Yeah, in fact, one of the people sorry, go ahead, Justin. I think you were gonna say this. We have thing. a REST interface exactly for that so that someone would take advantage of it. Someone asked for it, and so we built a REST interface. I don't think anybody's actually done that integration yet, but uh, we have a yeah. REST interface so that you can do that. REST cool. REST cool. interface along with markdown output. So you can actually get the output that you're looking for if you want. Okay, so we've talked about you know the problem space and and maybe alluded to you know a bit more of why we're here and talking about talking about you know Suzy Q, and you know Justin, you made the comment no 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 networks have this today. Be able to ask these questions you know across across the network, even retroactively you know going back in in time. So you know the opportunity is there for newer platforms and, and newer tools in, in the market. So introduce us to Suzy Q. You know, tell us you know tell us about it, what it is, and and where you are with the project. Go ahead, Dinesh. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so Suzy Q is, if I were to use a bunch of buzzwords around it so people can uh, remember what it is, the first thing I would use is that it is open source. The second thing I would say is that, is that it is multi-vendor. And the third thing that I would say is that it is basically a disaggregated model of building the tool so that you can, tomorrow as different pieces evolve, we can adopt those without having to lose the whole. You know, today when people move their data from one time series database to a new time series database because they have gone from Cacti to, say, Prometheus, it gets very hard to transfer the data effectively. Or many they move from one other source to a different source, the way the kind of questions they can ask changes. So you learned PromQL. Now you don't know how to ask the question, same thing through uh, Capacitor uh, with InfluxDB as an example. So each of them have their own different models. And we wanted to kind of separate those things and keep them such that they work well. So the pieces, again, from Suzy Q is it's open source, it's multi-vendor, it's a network observability tool that allows you to ask questions about the network, whether it is on hosts, because we gather data from Linux servers, or whether it's on routers or bridges. I don't like the word switches, so I say bridges very precisely, <laughs> because switch is a marketing term, uh, which could mean router or a bridge. So uh, essentially- For a very long a- time, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so routers, bridges, and uh, Linux servers, we gather data from all of that, and we gather different kinds of data, and we are adding new platforms and new uh, 
pieces of data that we are gathering to be able to then put together, we gather this data, we normalize the data. So it doesn't matter at the end of the day if you're looking at the route table from an NXOS box or from a Juniper box. You take something as simple as eVPN. The way you even look at the information and where you look for the information varies between Cisco, Arista, Cumulus, Juniper. So how do you even as a vendor decide if you are trying to troubleshoot a network across different vendors, figure out what the commands to type is. So, you know, we want to make provide a nice abstraction and essentially be able to answer various kinds of questions through a common set of verbs. So, you know, show. Uh, uh, show us the ability to show me what is unique and we can talk about unique and another keyword we came up with a summary so you get a summary of your network you know how many devices how many interfaces how many vlans how many routes how many ip addresses to be able to generally ask is it a evpn network is it a symmetric evpn network or an asymmetric evpn network what are my vtaps what's the vxlan to vni mapping across my network all questions either device specific are across your network in a vendor independent and uh, in a higher level abstracted view of the world, so to speak. So that's a high level overview of what SuzyQ does. And using this base, we want to build on applications. We have built out an application called Path. We are building out another one called Topology, which allows you to figure out dynamically what your topology looks like, what your who your neighbors are, whether they are neighbors via LLDP or route and so on and so forth. So we're using first gathering data across different devices, normalizing the data, providing a standard interface on top of which you can build various applications to be able to actually understand, ask questions of your system and be able to look at applications that help you solve higher level problems like validation, path, etc. Interesting. And I was going to ask. I also I saw, also saw in some of the docs where you, you know, talked about SuzyQ being an application and a framework. So in terms of you alluded to some of the apps and some of the applications just now, but in general, do you view the core framework itself just the ability to collect the data and even the questions or applications on top, or or some of the core questions is that is that part of the core application itself? allowing users to extend them maybe splitting hairs a bit just curious on on your take i think the idea of applications is actually something that we're uh we're putting on retrospectively after we've built what we think is useful so that is a little bit of splitting the fact that we've even said that is a little bit of splitting hairs um my version of it is um i think the ability to explore all this data is sort of the core framework so the fact that we're collecting route tables and that you can explore, or the fact that we have IP addresses and MAC addresses, and then you can find that those kind of things. The applications on top, in my mind, are this something like Path, where we're taking data from from a whole bu- a whole bunch of data and collecting and uh, combining them together, and then and then uh, you know allowing you to ask more interesting questions. Like the path sh- shows you the path between two IP addresses, like a trace route, but it shows you across. You know, it'll show you the EP including the eVPN, it'll show you the, the L2, L3, it'll show you the whole thing. Um, and it'll show you all the steps and it even debugs some problems for you. So it will tell you. So in my mind, the application is sort of the, when you're combining multiple, you know, lots of tables. Um, so it's sort of a, just a way for, in some ways, it's just a way for Dinesh and I and anybody developing to think about, like there's the collecting data, which is really useful, but then when you combine it, that's where you get like really powerful things. Um, 
And to answer your question, uh, Justin, about from another perspective to what Justin said, Jason, another uh, point is, you know, what is the framework and what is uh, outside the framework is really a bit of a different way of looking at the abstraction, right? It depends on what's the question you're really asking. Are you a tool developer who's saying like, I have all of this and I want to build a a particular, I want to have a particular question answered that Dinesh and Justin haven't or the community as a whole because it's an open source project hasn't built anything to answer. And so I want to build a tool. They will look at it at a different abstraction than somebody who is a network operator who says, I just want to be able to ask these questions at a high level. So I look at it as each is a different microservice. If you want to think of it as a microservice, even though, you know, we don't really talk about it as a microservice. If you think about it, there is a microservice that is the gathering of the data there is a microservice that takes this gathered data, normalizes it, and stores it. And then there is a microservice that allows you to access this data at, say, the most basic level. And then there is the microservice that accesses this data and provides information at a much more abstracted or a higher system level, which allows you to ask questions of the network as a whole as opposed to you know, individual device. Yeah, makes makes sense. One question you know, that I have is what we've seen too with a lot of powerful tools, you know, open source, you know, and or commercial. Yeah, you know, there's there's still there's still a lot of text parsing in the industry, and this is sort of <laughs> even outside of, outside of Suzy Like, there's still yeah. so many text parsers getting you know getting written different frameworks yeah. that that exist. So, you know, just curious over the past several months since Suzy has emerged, have you have you seen any users? Like adopt it to get started just just by helping them normalize normalize some of their existing operational state data across vendors. Yeah, we have actually quite a lot of users. A few of them are actually saying that they are going to take it into production, and they are replacing some of their existing tooling to use this because it provides so much more information in a much more cohesive way than they otherwise had to get from the past in the past. So we have, so to ask, to answer your question, we have users who have used it, have decided it's going into production and they're running through tests to decide, you know, does it match everything? So that's one class of users who are already there. A second class of users we have who have tried it out, have said like, this looks very interesting and are now uh, evangelizing it, championing it within their company to have them actually go take a look and say like, hey, you know, this looks interesting. We should figure out a way to incorporate this. There's a third class of people who have said like, hey, I'm still trying to, I've just joined this company here. I'm trying to figure out my way around. I have gotten metrics basically working right now, which who didn't even have metrics. And my next step is SuzyQ. And I looked at SuzyQ and I think that's the right tool. I want to explore it. They are helping us by, you know, getting us data about devices that we don't support yet, for example. So one of the guys, Andrea Florio, gave us a lot of help with respect to NXOS data. Another person uh, gave us a lot of data from Sonic. A third person is now giving us a lot of data from iOS XR. So we have different people giving us data and they're helping us in those different ways to make sure that SuzyQ works for them. So we have users at the highest level to people who are saying, I need platform support. Can you help me? And here is data that I can help you with to make sure you can add support for the platform. Yeah, my question was even like, all, all those use cases are even beyond even beyond what I was alluding to. Just in the fact that it's it's so powerful and enriched 
what it what it can offer even a, a phase a phase zero getting it integrated might just be taking advantage of data normalization and restful api to be able yep. to query for mac tables arp tables and, yep. and current tool chains yep. maybe querying it as part of like a network automation or a change pipeline you know checking you know checking before and after as as an example they are not doing checking before and after but what you just said just querying the data absolutely sorry justin i interrupted you yeah, I was going to say something similar. And something that I really, uh, we haven't seen people do this, but I really wish people would take advantage of Suzy Q for that, for that pre and post change validation. Uh, I think I would have just loved this 10 years ago. Because, um, because it's already collecting the data that I need. Uh, it's already systematic. I don't have to write something new. I don't have to, and anyway, I think for pre and post chain validation, I think, it, I think Suzy Q is perfect. Yeah, yeah. There, there's no doubt. We've done a lot of work with a project called NTC Templates that are parsers, you know, regex parsers, right, around show commands. But there's no framework and and tooling around it, and having something that's that's more turnkey that works out of the box like Kuzuku. Honestly, it's a uh, ten years ago, seven years ago, four years ago. It all it all it all would have been yeah. would have been would have yeah, been great. Exactly. <laughs> so you guys talk about it. The one thing that I have is you say that ten years ago it would have been good. That is an indication that maybe it isn't useful today. So maybe you want to clarify uh -huh. that, Justin. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's a fair point. I meant at Amazon ten years ago. I really could have used it. Past then, it Amazon had reasonable tools. Right. Right. No, Sorry, that's, that's fair. That's fair, Dinesh. Yep. <laughs> but uh, so, question around you mentioned sort of extensibility and and apps and things like that. And this is this is maybe you know a bit more detailed, but you know, curious as a as a a user who might need to extend the platform itself. You know, some of the things in the open source space. You know, one of the questions that you know I always have is around like, can you you know can you adequately you know add your own we'll say question and answer or add your own like command appropriately and still be able to pull down updates from upstream. And I would say in effect, tactically, like, is there a predefined methodology to say, Hey, if I want to add a, a deviation or a new command or, or, or something in the core platform, like, could I then still do a git pull as an example, or it's not going to, it's not going to see, see things in a conflicting manner. So, you know, can you extend the platform without changing source code files? Does that make sense? It, it makes sense. Um, I thought Dinesh would answer this. Um, <laughs> I would say that we are always having this silence between Give them the hard one, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say a little different. Actually, right now, I would say it, it, you'd better push that upstream. We're not so modular like that. Um, uh, I thought you were going to go a different direction, which is um, we've tried to use so it's all python and we've tried and we've used a bunch of standard sort of data science tools like we have pandas and uh we use parquet and arrow so there's a lot of um we have a lot of nice abstractions so you're not you don't have to write as much suzy q specific code you can write a lot of your code to pandas i mean suzy q specific because it's our data model but you're writing pandas code which is a is a widely used standard um but as far as like mo modular extensions um not not directly i'm curious how dinesh would answer that so question. i would answer it as again everything is tiered right i mean when you say that i'm trying to do something the ability for you to make a change is a spectrum there is one level where you say like i want to make a change by adding for example gnmi 
There is a second ability which says, I want to be able to add a new network OS as a platform. A third ability, which is I want to add a new service. So you're gathering route tables. We gather a whole bunch, but let's assume you want to gather, uh, I can't figure out uh, a table right now, but let's assume that we want to figure out hardware uh, route tables. That is the uh, resource, or how much ACL is used up, how much TCAM space is used up, etc. You want to gather right. that. We don't yet have support for that. Let's assume you want to gather that. That's the sec- uh, different level of complexity. Finally, you have like, I've got everything, but I want to add a new option. So, for example, I do BGP, but I can filter based on a peer on the host name, but I can't filter based or the state, but I can't filter based on a peer. Can I filter on a peer? So each of these questions has a different complexity. So one of the things that I didn't mention earlier on is SusieQ, one of the things we have tried very hard and we continue to try very hard is to keep the user interface as intuitive as possible. So Justin and I argue lots over, does this command look as it should and is the output making sense or not? We want to be able to give as much information in one eyeball as is useful and not much more than that. But coming back to this point, so Andrea again, wanted to show off uh, Suzy Q in his team. He was trying to show off Suzy Q and someone asked him a question about, hey, I want to see only things in BGP that match this. And we did not have a filter. Andreas declares that he doesn't know Python well enough. It took him five minutes to add a new filter, show the option to the user. So this is demonstrated. And then he submitted a pull request for this new filter. Right, that's the first level of support that is possible. I have tried, the API is obviously not precisely stable. We are trying to, as we work through the system, try and stabilize as much of the API as possible. For example, the release that's going out today, which is 0.9, has now a database API. So you can say, read and write database without having to know any details. Whereas before, that was all hidden in a different way, and the way to access it was much more complicated. So if you want to add a new way to add new data right now without really trying to modify the polar and you want to write a one-time data, you can use the database write to just write it and then use the Pythonic object to be able to pull the data out. So we are trying consistently to define interfaces so that people can write to those interfaces and we are working through that. So the, the last, the, so you know, if you want to add a new transport, you want to add a new OS, it's much more complex, requires a lot more work. You want to add a new service, less work. You want to add a new filter, not so much work. If you know Python, and like I said, Andrea, who declared himself to be a non-Pythonic guy, was able to easily add filters and commands and supply us the output. And he also added uh, support for services, by the way. For example, I did not have MLAG support for uh, NXOS. He added MLAG support for NXOS because I had MLAG support for Arista and Cumulus. He just modeled that and just added the support and gave it to us. So just as an example, various ways in which people have been able to extend and the places where there is still work to be done. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Thanks for answering it. I guess the, the other area too, curious on on your thoughts here. Again, we do a lot of work with um, inventory management and source of truth, right? You know, trying to define the intended state and, and, and doing that, like there always is the the location of like, this is the inventory of the network. And so... I guess you know, curious if if you've thought about like trying to integrate a di- dynamic inventory of sorts, you know, being able to leverage a trusted source for inventory, or would you, you know, for now flip it to say, okay, if that's your source, just you know, have a workflow that provisions from there and populates a SUSE Q inventory. 
we have yeah go ahead go ahead no no go ahead justin uh suzy q does interesting one. i'm not sure i totally understand your question but suzy q does will discover all the inventory so it would be with action sorry what's actually in the network so uh it would be the way to get the data to compare if your source of truth is correct or are you saying suzy q actually does crawl the network yes is that what you're saying yeah oh, okay so okay. uh we don't have a great, the, the discovery, so you can't give it an IP address right now and it will figure out all the IP addresses in the network. It knows all that, info, it knows all the neighbor information so that it could do that. We just haven't done done it, but uh, it is collecting all the data you need to know what's in the, I think all the data you have in your source of truth, SUSEQ is actually discovering that. And then you could, you can get the output and then you could write a, a thing to differentiate against your source of truth. Yeah, I guess I made I made maybe the wrong assumption that you would have to define inventory for Suzy Q. Right um, now, you have to. Well, an IP address. You have to give us yeah. IP addresses. But yes. uh, we will add discovery because we have all of the information needed for discovery of, yes. of devices. We just haven't added. We just don't yeah. have that feature yet. Okay, cool. Yeah. So one question, another question I have is is on, on usability and, and what you're seeing out there versus, you know, what's maybe what's possible for the future. And earlier we talked about like time series databases and, and things like that. But are you are you seeing it as a valid use case to be able to say, you know, have SUSEQ store this data, have these questions, you know, being being uh, the the ability to ask these questions and then graphing them in platforms like Grafana over time? Absolutely. We haven't seen anybody do that, but um, there's, on the other hand, this is an open source tool. And so lots of people are using SUSEQ that we have no idea about. Right. So we just, we don't know, um, but it, it, yes, you could absolutely do that. I mean, like you, we have the time series data uh, making use of it. I mean, in, in one way we are already um, more useful than the, you know, Dinesh and I can, we have enough data. We have more data to be made useful than Dinesh and I can right. possibly make useful. So uh, I'm sure people can come up with ideas. We I had not thought of that specific one directly, but like there's all kinds of things that should be easy to do because we have normalized multi-vendor in a time series data. Uh, there's so many things you oh, can no, do. It is exciting, and I, and I do hope in the next couple of weeks, you know, get you guys speaking to to our team. And I think you know we need to love to get some telemetry and and, and visibility uh, dashboards and demos built out to showcase what's possible. But yeah, yeah no, that's that really fantastic. Really, that'd be fantastic. So like, right now we, in some ways, we're still building the plumbing, and you know we're we're still built. And so like people taking advantage of it. And that's also the you know, kind of the idea of the applications. Like we're getting all this rich data, taking advantage of it in, in new and interesting and maybe, maybe very niche ways, but that's what's super powerful anyway. Yeah. And I want to say like, I mean, I think Justin uh, and I have talked quite a bit about integrating into things like Grafana for graphing. We haven't done any of that yet because right now some of the stuff that we do need to graph are uh, not gathered yet we have some things we gather like top cpu top mem but we are not analyzing the data and presenting it in a useful way yet because again as justin said we are building out the scaffolding but that's what's coming next you know ios xr support the support for metrics and the ability to graph them is what we are looking at uh, and then improving the search in our uh, graphical in our gui 
Got it. Okay, that makes that makes sense. I guess when everything being developed so far, can you talk through how you're actively testing? Right, physical devices. You mentioned getting you know, getting partnerships with some of the manufacturers and people that are there. You know, virtual devices and topologies. How are you How are you actively you know building and testing against uh, devices? So we collect data. Um, sorry, we, for the platforms we support. Uh, we have virtual interfaces since ne Dinesh and I do not own real or not work at real networks anymore. Right. So, uh, <laughs> we have all, we have virtual devices, so we get we get output from those virtual devices, and then uh, we have a whole bunch of tests to go through. I think we have like four thousand tests right now. We have a bunch of automatic tests to check um, based on the right. So we collect data from uh, virtual devices in interesting topologies, semi-interesting topologies, and uh, and then uh, we run a whole bunch of tests against that data. Is that the yeah. question you're asking? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just trying to just trying to see virtual devices leveraging platforms like Vagrant and oh, it's even G and G and S3. And we yeah. we are using Vagrant because uh, right, we don't need a we don't need a GUI. We just need a to uh, we need the same topology every time. So and then we we do a lot of output checking, making sure that the data that the data hasn't changed over time, or if it has changed, is, is what we expected. Um, the yeah, the multi-platform thing is pretty tricky, and so it, one of the tricky things is add, as we add new platforms, we need a way to be able to get the data, and we don't own a network, um, so that that can be tricky sometimes. But yeah, we are, and we are helping. We are getting help by users uh, on all of the different uh, cases. Of so case for NXOS, we have gotten help from someone from iOS XR. We are getting help from someone. So we are getting help from people to get the data to some extent. We are also building out topologies. So we have another thing that we basically started but haven't done much work on because again, it's two of us and uh, we have a lot of other things to do as well. Uh, we have this project uh, also on NetEng Labs GitHub page called Automatic for the People. So everything is a rock song in case you didn't get it. <laughs> so, uh, so Automatic for the People where we have defined, because we started with something we know, which is, uh, uh, what is the word for it, uh, EVPN that everybody is interested in right now to build a class topology with EVPN across Arista, Cisco, Cumulus, and Juniper. And to be able to now have a simple playbook that will allow you to configure each of those things, both single attached and dual attached servers. And we are using that as a test bed to pull the data and to try out all of the information. So, you know, all the tests we have written is associated with that. The initial tests were all associated with Cumulus and the Cloud Native Data Center Networking book that I wrote. Uh, but uh, now we are expanding it to include more systematic tests for all the platforms. I mean, we have a bunch, but we want to have, you know, a normal topology across which normalized topology across which you can look at things. So now you can start comparing and saying, oh, if I look at a Juniper, how does it look at EVPN routes? And if I look at Arista, how does that give me the EVPN routes? Or Cisco or Cumulus, how do they give me the different EVPN routes? When you look for things, you don't need uh, to understand where the information is coming from because we put it together in a vendor neutral way, but it allows you to still go look at it and figure out where things are. Cool. No, this is, you know, it's been a great conversation, guys. I guess if I take a step back, look at it, it's open source, free to get started, multi-vendor, you're collecting data, normalizing it, storing it, can ask questions over over time. And yep. so where, where uh, what, what are the plans for the future? I know, Dinesh, you just said it's the two of you guys working on it. What are the, you know, the future plans? And, you know, is this the beginnings of a larger team, maybe larger, larger company? Any, uh, <laughs> any thoughts there you want to share? 
Uh, I think, you know, we've been approached by companies. Uh, we've been approached by investors saying, do you want money to start, uh, to go make a company or not? Justin and I are obviously nothing is off the table, but Justin and I are right now very focused on making sure that the open source community is served well with this tool. Because I think one of the problems we had is, again, finding multi-vendor tools that are user-friendly, network operator-friendly is hard. So we want to kind of, we are very focused on making sure we finish that part first before we start running into company plans, so to speak. We have a set of things that Justin and I want to build out uh, before April, end of April, so to speak. And once that's done, we are kind of then going to scratch our heads to figure out, you know, what are we doing next? Uh, Are we going to start a company around this? Uh, Are we going to figure out some other way? Are we going to start a foundation? I don't have very concrete plans yet because we are still focused on making sure we deliver a solid uh, usable tool. But nothing yeah, no, is off the great. table. Yeah, no, it's great. Well, look, I think you know, no, no better mission to have than to want to solve real problems and get the right tools into network operators' hands. So, regardless of of what happens, you know, I think you know, for one, you know, thank you for the work that you guys are uh, doing for the community. Oh, thank you. So what about, you know, I guess as we wind down, anything you can share in terms of, you know, where to go, where to go and get started? You know, I, um, I did some testing myself actually over the past week or two around the, the demo container, I think it was. Can you maybe talk through, you know, the, the best way folks can get started looking at Suzy Q? Go ahead, Dinesh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, the best place to do anything is get on the GitHub page. Everything starts from the GitHub page, which is uh, netengelabs slash Q. So github.com slash netengelabs suzyq. The interesting part is I think enough people have been looking at it that Q. if you type Q and network, uh, it shows up on Google's uh, first page itself. So you don't have to search very hard for it. Uh, or if you type network observability and Suzy Q, you'll get to it one way or the other. Uh, so you get to the GitHub page and on the GitHub page, there is a Slack channel that you can uh, connect to and uh, talk to people, not just Justin and me, but there are other community of users who will answer questions for you. Uh, you have the pointer to, uh, pointer to the Docker container that you can download. If you are interested in understanding what kind of analysis Suzy Q does, what kind of questions you can ask, uh, at this point, you can download the demo container, Suzy Q demo container. It contains data from NXOS, EOS, uh, Junos, and Cumulus, and you can look at the data. Or you can download the Suzy Q container, which is basically just the demo container without the demo, without all the demo data, and then start using that to start gathering data for yourself. We have a re- documentation page, suzyq.readtheorgs.io. Again, all of the links are on the uh, web, uh, the GitHub page itself. And so we are also trying to make it as easy as possible for any network operator to be able to get started. So if uh, people have difficulty using it, shoot us an email, open a ticket, uh, tell us what your difficulty is, because we want to make the onboarding of Suzy Q as trivial as possible. Yeah, I give you a lot of credit there. You know, documentation is, is stellar. And I legitimately did, as you had said in the past, I did a Git clone. I started, you know, pulled down the image and, you know, had Suzy Q up and running probably in, you know, less than five minutes, probably. You know, UI oh, worked, CLI great. worked. And, and so, you know, all, all, all that, you know, kudos, you know, kudos to you guys. 
Thank you, Jason. That was very good uh, recommendation <laughs> from you and validation that, you know, it actually does what we set out to do in terms of its uh, ease of onboarding. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, great, guys. Anything else you want to you wanna state before we, before we part ways? No, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. And uh, please uh, engage with Suzy Q because if there is one thing that Justin and I are really focused on more than anything else, it's to make sure that we can build better networks. And one way to build better networks is to give network operators uh, superpowers uh, via tooling in order that they can do that what we just uh, mentioned, which is build better networks. Okay. All right. Great. Now we're looking forward to it. And you know, thank you both again. I look forward to, to really working with Suzuki going forward as well myself. Oh, thank Thanks, you, guys. Jason. And uh, please uh, shoot us any questions you have.